From WBEZ Chicago and PRX, this is Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. And I'm Jim DeRogatis. This week, we're joined in the studio by one of the best new bands we've heard in ages, The Regrets. Music is the one thing in the world that's a universal language. And because of that, it's one of the most powerful things. Plus, singer-songwriter Frank Turner tells us about one of the first songs he learned to play on guitar. My initial experience of playing music was in leading sing-alongs for my friends. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions and coming up on the show, a performance and a chat with the regrets... Greg, this was my album of the year in 2017, their debut recording. They're ridiculously young, just out of high school, from Los Angeles. You love them as well. I do, Jim. That's going to be later on in the show, but first we've got a fresh batch of what we call buried treasures. This is music that's kind of flying under the radar, but we feel everybody needs to hear it. Jim, you want to start us off? I am eager to get us going, Greg. We recently did a show about our discoveries from the South by Southwest Music Festival. We love doing these shows. I have more bands that I came back with that I'm eager to share with our listeners. I'm walking back. It's late at night. I'm dog tired. I am passing what is called during South by Southwest the British Music Embassy. What's nice about that club? Mm. You know, capacity 150, right? But there's no front to the club. So you can just stand in the street and listen. And I heard this band shopping. Now, I had heard of them before. Formed in 2013 in the UK, wonderful guitarist, Rachel Ags, really strong rhythm section, Billy Easter on bass, Andrew Milk on drums. They are rooted in that wonderful no-wave New York sound of the very early 80s, just post-punk. I'm thinking of groups like ESG and the Au Pairs, a little bit of the Slits, kind of a funk sensibility, but played with minimalist punk chops. Really incredible stuff. Their third album thereon, recorded in the Scottish Highlands by producer Edwin Collins of Orange Juice. Wonderful, wonderful kind of new wave era funk band. But the topic at hand right now is shopping. I had been sampling them online. They were a topic for more research to come. And then I saw them live. Wow! Rachel Eggs has a sort of polystyrene of X-ray specs intensity on stage. They just suck me right in. And I'm standing in the street. And I'm, I'm even sort of, I will say, almost dancing. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, that's a bad thing. <laughs> you will hear it on this track. Wild Child from Shopping. The album's called The Official Body on Sound Opinions.
Wild Child, a buried treasure that should be buried no longer, Greg. The band is called Shopping. What do you got? Jim, I don't know if this necessarily qualifies as a buried treasure, but I did not want this record to slip by us or our listeners. Uh, If you are not familiar with the wonders of hot snakes, you need to start paying attention again. First album in 14 years from this band, uh, they're led by one John Reese, who is a, uh, a, a an underground figure in San Diego. It's it's one of those guys that when you think of a particular town and you happen to be in underground music over the last 30 years, he's one of those guys mm. you immediately think about. His two best-known bands are probably Drive Like Jehu and Rocket from the Crypt yes. from the 90s. Uh, and those bands were phenomenal. Hot Snakes was kind of a spin-off band uh, from those two bands uh, that he did with his high school friend, uh, Rick Froberg. And uh, they made three really fine albums in the late 90s, early 2000s, then broke up. Reese has thrown a lot of his energy into running his own record label. But in recent years, they've started playing a few live shows together again, and they've finally come out with a new studio album called Jericho Sirens. I want to play a track from it that sort of exhibits their timeless appeal, this sort of pummeling aggression. If you are a fan of hardcore, if you are a fan of garage rock, you need to know about the Hot Snakes if you don't know about them already. I talked to Reese a few uh a few weeks ago, and he's saying, you know, I'm a guitar player who writes songs on guitar. Mm. This is what I was put on earth to do. I want to trample people with my downstrokes and suffocate the listener with velocity and rhythm. That is music to my ears. <laughs> How could I have not have known of this guy? Of course I knew uh, Drive Like Jehu and, and Rocket from the Crypt, but man, I got to listen. Yeah, this is uh, Jericho Sirens is the name of the album. Hot Snakes is the band. Here's a song called Six Wave Hold Down on Sound Opinions. Snakes with a track called Six Wave Hold Down from their first new album in 14 years called Jericho Sirens. Jim, what is your next pick? 
Greg, another discovery I made at South by Southwest. I don't know how he escaped me previously. A young singer-songwriter in his late 20s named Kyle Kraft. grew up in Louisiana, where he was the grandson of a bluegrass player, uh, used to sneak into the Baptist church that his family made him attend, and uh, play with the piano, which he thought was the most wonderful, little, weird, musical, magical box he'd ever discovered. Uh, Strong guitarist, really uh, great Rolling Stones in their 70s heyday kind of kind of musical approach and Dylan-esque lyrics. Okay, now, for any rock critic who says that, you know, that, that <laughs> there should be an alarm buzzer, okay? You either pull off that kind of Dylan-esque pseudo-beat wordplay or you don't. There are plenty in the indie hipster underground who think he doesn't pull it off and they've kind of been dumping on him. But, man, I mean, just listen. Was she the train wreck? Was she your last drag? Was she the cure-all or just the disease? Sings a lot about women, women who done him wrong in the great blues Rolling Stones tradition. But he does it with this kind of Dylan beat poetic wordplay. You know, I saw him live. I had not listened to the records before, and now I'm all about them. The official second album, Full Circle Nightmare, just came out on Sub Pop, produced by Chris Funk of the Decemberists. It's a real treat, I think. This song is called... Fever Dream Girl, it kicks off that new record. Here's Kyle Kraft on Sound Opinions. Was she the train wreck? Was she your last drag? Was she the little piece of mind you thought you once had? Was she the cure-all or just the disease? Was she the ransack of the kid denim jeans? Maybe the money spent, maybe the bad nights, maybe the deep wound left behind the spider Just 
Fever Dream Girl from the new album by Kyle Kraft, Full Circle Nightmare. Greg, you have one more buried treasure for us. I do, Jim. I'm glad we're getting a chance to do a, a segment like this because we saw so many great bands at South by Southwest that we did not get a chance to mention in our official South by Southwest music festival show. This is one of those bands that I wasn't able to get to the first time around, but I did see them at South by in Austin, Texas, incredibly well worth it, uh, all the way from Poland. Don't come to North Man. America much. I think this may have been their first visit here. I could be wrong about that. It's certainly the first time that I saw them. One of the lands of your heritage. Yes, indeed. Trupa Trupa is the name of the band. Away. To me. That translates into corpse, corpse. Uh, you can tell right Set away. Band. Okay. You've, you've got some uh, very dark uh, humor here, if you can call it humor at all. Sometimes the line is blurred between what is humorous and what is really dire. Uh, the uh, singer in the band, Jagos Kwiatkowski, is uh, is a poet, is a published poet. And right away you're thinking a pretentious guy. No, some it's really pithy poetry, really funny, really dark, uh, in, in the way that only an East European poet can be. This is a man who uh, brings a band to town, and the, the guitar player has fashioned his guitar out of an empty fuel can, a sort of a jerry-rigged <laughs> instrument. Uh, it, is, it reminded me a lot of uh, that East European post-punk scene, uh, you know, Plastic People of the Universe, mm-hmm. Polnosch, those kind of bands. In that vein, uh, dark, progressive, psychedelic songs with this really pithy, poetic wordplay. Uh, it was a terrific combination. It would certainly work for me. Their third album is called Jolly New Songs. They are certainly not jolly. They are new songs, but they're not jolly. And a a song called To Me. Uh, I talked about the poet in the band. Uh, he, ex- he enunciates exactly three words in the entire song mm. and repeats them. Uh, but they're very powerful words. <laughs> in the context of the song, they, they become even more powerful. Trupa Trupa from Poland with a song called To Me on Sound Opinions. Away To That is Troopa Troopa, one of my buried treasures from 
Poland with a song called To Me on Sound Opinions. And as always, we want to hear from you. What new music have you discovered that we need to be listening to? Give us a call and leave a message on our hotline at 888-859-1800. Up next, one of our favorite recent discoveries, The Regrets in Our Studio. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott, my partner's Jim DeRogatis. That music you're hearing is from The Regrets, a young Southern California-based band that blends this uh, incredible energy, uh, you know, evoking Bikini Kill, you know, it's a Riot Girl era punk with the harmonies of the Renettes, you know, yeah. uh, very much girl group style of the early 60s to great effect. They have these lyrics that are brash, bold, confident. Absolutely, Greg. And their debut album, which needs to have that exclamation point, Feel Your Feelings, Fool, was my <laughs> number one album of 2017. This is bubblegum punk that has a real message, fits very well in the hashtag MeToo moment. The quartet is led by Lydia Knight. She joined us here in the studio. While on stage, her band is all about volume and attitude. They played a special acoustic set here that still had that signature energy. We have Lydia Knight on uh, lead vocals and guitar. We have Janessa Gariano on guitar. We have Sage Chavez on bass. And we have Max Morando on drums. What a band. And uh, debut record uh, came out earlier this year, Feel Your Feelings Fool. The exclamation point is very important, too. Oh, I feel yeah. It's, that is oh, emphatic. Yeah. Got to say it like Mr. T. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, such a timely record with Thank what's you. been going on this year. Totally. Politically and, and otherwise, socially. Uh, and none of it was on your radar or yeah. any of our radars when this record was being r- written and recorded. I'm actually a psychic. <laughs> so I knew all of this was going to happen. I knew Trump was going to be our president. And that's why I wrote these songs. I knew it was coming. <laughs> so, so Lydia, when you were performing these songs with, with you and your yes. bandmates, uh, what kind of response are you getting? Are you, are, do you feel that people are... Yeah. Are, are somewhat empowered by these songs? For uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, like... It's just crazy now that we've gotten to a point where at most shows we play, people know the words. Just to see someone singing your lyrics back at you is one of the weirdest, coolest feelings ever. Um, And I think, I mean, I think we've gotten a pretty great response so far. I mean, our songs are just super relatable. So I feel like it's easy for people to connect Mm -hmm. and get into it. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's no doubt about. It. There's a directness there in the lyrics that I think people can relate to. Yeah. Uh, you know, people would I guess classify it as a sort of a pop punk record, uh, but that can mean many things these yeah, days. Yeah, totally. Um, and as I said, it's not kind of presaging what ha- what is happening in our country right now. Uh, very timely, one of the finest debut albums of, of the year Thank of you. recent times, actually. Uh, Thanks. The regrets with <laughs> "Feel Your Feelings, Fool." 
you know, we can talk for a bit, but I think it's important for people to hear this music. Uh, right. So what would you like to play for us first? Um, let's do Juice, Juice Box. Yeah. Okay. This song is called Juice Box Baby. <laughs> Are you ready, Max? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, you good? Regrets with Juicebox Baby from their first album, Feel Your Feelings Fool. Uh, And kind of a back porch hoot nanny feel with the acoustic guitars. That's very cool. Thank you. So, normally, this is a full on electric, high energy, high voltage rock show that we get when we see the regrets. But this is really cool because we're in a different mode today, right, Lydia? Yeah, vulnerable mode. Yeah. What do we got? So, you went with the acoustic lineup today. Yeah. Yeah. Shows a very different side of it. I think you can hear a lot of things in a lot of lyrics and stuff that you don't normally hear because mm-hmm. we're really loud <laughs> usually. Sure. Um, so it's kind of nice to strip it down. Um, <laughs> a lot of pop elements in the music. Um, yeah. You know, you hear everything from, uh, you know, girl group vocal type stuff on the totally. record. There's a salt and pepper reference in there. There's definitely some <laughs> bikini kill references as well when we get to the punk side of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, so you're bringing a lot in. And, you know, it needs to be said. You're all young people. You're yeah. your teens largely, right? Most of you are only, in your teens. Actually, only two of us. Two, two I'm left. 17. Two left. There's mm-hmm. two of us left. Two left in I'm the teenager I'm 17 and Max is 19. Okay. 
and uh, but still making music for quite a long time. Lydia, you've been, you've oh, been yeah. writing songs since you've been over ten years for yeah. sure. So since I was six. This diversity. Did you? Are you all sort of bringing this to the package where it's this you know history of rock really? Yeah, I think musically, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Everyone brings something totally different to the table. Um, all of our influences are super different. So mm-hmm. we always talk about the fact that we all love the same artists and the same bands, um, just at different levels and we're inspired by them in just kind of different ways mm-hmm. and you can so, yeah. hear them in our you can, music in yeah different and in ways our too. different like parts like you'll hear janessa will write a guitar part that's super like bluesy or like mm-hmm. something because that's just how you know what she loves on this past record i'll say a lot of the melodies very reminiscent of girl groups because mm-hmm. in our harmonies because that's the music that i've just always loved hey i got news i'm not doing too bad even though sometimes I might get real mad You're talking to me like a child My words are growing stronger And my legs keep getting longer You know, it blows me away. I remember talking to you uh, almost a year ago now yeah. uh, for the first time, Lydia, and you were mentioning that uh, dad took you to Donna's? fat... Was, well, and before oh, that Fats was it Domino. Fats Domino. That's when I was like two or three. Wow. And that's my first memory, actually. Blue Monday, how I eat Blue Monday. Got to work, plan to sleep all day. Here come Tuesday, oh, Tuesday. I'm so tired, got no time. It seemed like you were you were born to play this music because if, <laughs> yeah. if your first one of your first childhood memories is Fats Domino. Yeah. You said your second show was was uh, the Donnas. Yeah. Which so, was when I was five. So you went from like the the beginning to oh, like yeah. the future yeah. <laughs> in like the span <laughs> yeah. of two shows. Totally. And what was it about the Donnas? Obviously, it was inspiring for a number of reasons. Well, first of all, just seeing an all-female band, um, I just thought it was so cool. Like, I was like, they look so cool right now, and I want to look as cool as them and be as cool as them. And I just remember the feeling of seeing it and thinking, I'm doing that. There's a letter I just found that I wrote to myself. I had to be five because I was in kindergarten. Everyone was writing about their futures and what they wanted to be. And I said, when I grow up, and my spelling obviously was like when was like W-A-N. Uh, when I grow <laughs> up, I'm going to be a singer and guitar player in a rock and roll band. Uh-huh. Wow. That's what I will always, that's what I'm psychic, always going to do. I, yeah, I told you I'm psychic. <laughs> you willed it into being. Yeah. Um, Lydia, could you just give us a quick overview of, of how the band came together? So uh, we all met when we were... Uh, much younger at School of Rock, a music program school thingy in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, um, and yeah, they're all around the country. Sure. But the location we went to was in Los Angeles, because uh, that is where we live. And then we all lost touch, and um, we all randomly ended up playing a show together. The 
three of them were in a band and then I was in a two-piece. Shortly after that, my two-piece split up and I shimmied my way on into their band. (laughs) It's crazy. I don't know if you want me to tell this story, but like I remember being in the bathroom at that show and Lydia was in there. Oh, that's fine. I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) And she was like, guys, I don't know what to do. Does anyone have a tampon? (laughs) And like that just sparked everything back up again. And we were back, baby. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And that was, that was just like a great little moment. And I remember that. And then we, we got a call from her and she was like, guys, I don't know what to do. Join me. Join me. (laughs) Yeah. Join the dark side. Join the dark side. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know then that it was going to work? I mean, was it kind of, or was it sort of like, okay, we got to figure this out and see if it'll work? Or was it? We had a first, we had one rehearsal and we yeah. were like, okay, this is cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you don't know going into something like that. We hadn't played together in years. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it'd be fun to play with like, yeah. Yeah. another situation. And it was still the three of us that had been playing. And so it yeah. made sense to do something. I, it was just kind of exciting. To yeah, our first rehearsal new. was super easy. It was yeah. so easy. Was like so we fast. started playing one of the, we started playing How It Should, how it should be. be was the first one we started. Which is on a record. Yeah. yeah. It just felt so natural instantly, and I remember getting like goosebumps. Yeah, it was yeah, perfect. After a short break, we'll continue our conversation with the regrets in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Marks and little boobs, an ice full belly that's filled with food. Sometimes I'm pretty and sometimes I'm not. So let's take a listen in me with your best shot. I don't exercise and I don't read books, so if you want to criticize me, go ahead and take a look. Hey, I'm not being bossy, I'm just saying I feel it. I'm not a bitch for stating what is real. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott here with my partner, Jim Dirigatis, and that's a bit of A Living Human Girl by The Regrets. This week we're joined by the California Quartet, and that song in particular has served as kind of a calling card for them at many of their sets. Uh, It's an unapologetic song about self-love from a young woman, and it has resonated with their audiences. I continued our conversation by asking the band's leader, Lydia Knight, about the process of writing that song. Um... So I wrote it in a time where I just was super duper insecure. I was starting high school. I had gone to the same school for nine years with like 30 kids in my class who like were the same 30 kids. So I was super sheltered pretty much to kind of my perfect little Santa Monica bubble. Moved to L.A. 
like deep in it and went to a huge public art school which was amazing and like I met you know so many incredible people but it's also such a shock all of a sudden I started thinking about things I'd never thought about before like weight just stuff that just didn't matter to me when I was younger and that doesn't matter I'm sure to a lot of people when they're younger and then starts to kind of come up still something that's hard for me and you know it's a constant kind of battle I've never I've never said this in an interview before but I feel like it's relevant and I doubt the person will hear it but I'd written the song when I was in two piece and she hated it she refused to play it oh she wouldn't play it live Mm -hmm. because she hated it so much and it was so important to me and that's I think what led to us breaking up this song and that's the song where our manager found us because of this song and that's how literally our record label everything has come from that song and Mm -hmm. it's so important and that's how like just everything started with that song and it's just i don't know the world works in really weird cool ways and it's cool that such an important song brought us here It's sort of self-deprecating. It's not painting the narrator of the yeah. song as this superwoman. Oh yeah. It's like you're flawed, and you're proud. And of that's those what flaws. makes you a superwoman. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's right. like those are the things that you know, like every single woman and man um, has things about themselves that they don't like physically, and it's just a thing. That's just how we are. You know. Um, no one talks about, you know, like getting little red bumps on your legs after you shave and how embarrassing that can be or like mm. ju- like just random things that like no one talks about but everyone is dealing with. Like right. why is it so weird? Like why are people embarrassed about that? Like that's not you don't have control of that. I mean, obviously there was a breakup in a band because yeah. of that song. When you heard it, did you relate to that it? That was really? the song that made me want to hop on Lydia's music train. It, like, <laughs> hop on this train. Yeah. I, yeah. The feelings of being inadequate start in elementary school. I was an incredibly insecure, shy kid. And so that's the song that when I heard it, I wished I had had that. And having someone who, even like as a song, feel like it's on your side, I wanted to like be a part of that to make sure that got out into the world because I just truly think that's it's so important. It's holding a mirror up. It's not just accusatory. It's kind of like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm owning up to everything that I yeah. am. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sage, well, I need to bring you in on this as well. Mm-hmm. What, what were your thoughts uh, when you first heard the song? Yeah, it's super powerful, and I wished I had it when I was going through the bulk of my insecurities and the bulk of my depression and problems that happen when you're growing up. And um, I'm just so glad that so many people can now at least feel a little more comfort in knowing that other people go through the same things and we're insecure about the same things and that's okay too. We're all going on this journey of figuring out how to love ourselves and I don't think that's ever going to end. I think no matter how old you get, you're always going to fight with trying to accept yourself for who you are. Well, it's interesting what you're saying, uh, you know, 
high school sort of magnifies these things. Um, yeah. There's a constant sense of scrutiny for, for young oh, women. Oh, yeah. When she walks through the halls, it's like a swarm of flies. Nobody can seem to get enough of those green eyes because the girls want to be her and the boys wish they could tap. That chick who's always up to something and isn't on the map. Hey, I heard her mom is famous. I heard she does trapeze. She's the girl that everyone knows needs no charities. It's just kind of a lead into what the rest of their lives are going to be like. Yeah. You find out that it doesn't stop I just because they went got out of high school. It's like it's just concentrated. It's only magnified in the yeah. world. Feel your yeah. feelings, fool. One of the best records of the year. Um, <laughs> one of the best debut records, certainly in quite a while. Um, you want to play another song for us? Oh yeah. Okay. We're gonna play a spooky song. Ooh. Uh, this one is called Pale Skin. Okay. Ready? Yeah.
Royal Skin from the Regrets on Sound Opinions. Getting a little gothy there. <laughs> we never get to do that song. It sets a mood. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, Susie and the Banshees, they're, they're, they want to cover that song now, I think. <laughs> I want to wrap up by um, sort of you know, bringing it back to where we started. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's a political aspect to all music. But, yeah, um, well, there should be. Does music have the have the ability to move the culture and the world in any way? I mean, yeah. you know, it's 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 it hard always, to have that perspective. But do you I feel really it can? think I really think you, music is the one thing in the world that's a universal language, and because of that, it it's one of the most powerful things. And I really believe that. And I think that why it's so powerful is you can go through something and be dealing with something and listen to a song, and it changes it fans and people like they feel close to you when they listen to your music especially ours is super vulnerable and like and we want that it's like you can be friends with someone and be there for them without ever meeting them and ever having contact with them I think a lot of the power comes from like the the confidence that like your the confidence (laughs) that your lyrics exude is a confidence that I think the nation needs and the world needs and I think that's kind of what's going to fight against all this negativity like I think Feeling little is what, where the hate is coming from. Well, you mentioned, uh, Lydia, seeing the Donnas at an early age. Yeah. And even though they're not a political band, yeah. what they did for you that night was that, a, politi- a exactly. political act. Totally. And that's the other thing is like the fact that people have come to us and been like, "You're, I'm starting a band because of you or I wrote this song because of you. Like that in itself is changing something and doing something on a small scale, but it's something. It's like even if... There's one little girl, like I was at the Donna's concert, that comes and sees us play and, and becomes a musician is, you know, and you change people's lives. Like, you have that ability through music. You can't do that through anything else. Like, it's so crazy. Well, there's no way, no better way to end this interview yeah. than with that statement. I know I said that you are cute and sick. That was The Regrets, live in the Jim and Kay Maybe Performance Studio for Sound Opinions. And now we want to hear from you. Were you ever a teenager just trying to find your place in the world? Tell us about the music you connected with and why. Let us know on our hotline, 888-859-1800, or find us on Twitter or Facebook.
History's been leaning on me lately. I can feel the future breathing down my neck. You're listening to Be More Kind, the title track from the forthcoming record from British singer-songwriter Frank Turner. In a world that has decided that it's going to lose its mind, be more kind, my friends. Try to be more kind. Now, Frank got his musical start in the hardcore scene, and while he's more likely to perform an acoustic set these days, the intensity and the ethos of punk are still very much with him. We recently talked with Frank for Hooked on Sonics, our feature where we talk with musicians about the song that got them interested in making music in the first place. And while Frank listened to a lot of metal and punk while he was growing up, it was a very different song that he first mastered on the guitar. My name is Frank Turner. I'm a singer-songwriter from England, and the song that got me into music was uh, Round Here by Counting Crows. Step out the front door like a ghost into a fog Where no one notices the contrast of white on white And in between the moon and you Angels get a better view of the crumbling Difference between wrong and right When I was a kid, um, my first love was was metal and thrash and stuff like that And um, uh, I got a guitar for Christmas and, and, you know, and some tab books for Iron Maiden records and that kind of thing. And um, thrash is quite hard to play. At the same time, my older sister had got into August and Everything After, the first Cat and Crows record, and it was on constantly in her room. And uh, the Cat and Crows songs are generally written with open chords they're quite simply structured and simply played songs so I ended up kind of learning to play a bunch of Cat and Crow songs partly because that meant I could play something on the guitar that sounded coherent and partly because it pleased my sister It's not just that it's a beautiful melody that's a beautifully constructed song, though it is that as well. Beyond that, I mean, the sort of the message of the song being, you know, from a small town and, and oscillating between um, affection for it and feeling slightly trapped by it in a quite a sort of Springstonian, is that a word? Uh, quite a Springstonian kind of way. Uh, really resonated with me because I grew up in, in, a, in the middle of nowhere. I could really identify with those ideas, you know, around here we never sent to bed early and we, you know, nobody makes us wait. It's like there was a lot of that kind of thing which really kind of hit home for me. She says in my head. She says, I know it's only in my head. Count Crows is an interesting band internationally in terms of their regard because I'm, I'm aware that over here they're a much more sort of mainstream proposition. In the UK, I mean, August and Everything After was quite big, but um, they've always sort of been quite a credible sort of all country band in the UK in terms of how, the regard that they're popularly held in. So it's whenever I talk about Cat and Crows in America, people are some people sort of slightly raise an eyebrow and go because they sort of they put it in the same category as like Matchbox Twenty and stuff like that. Whereas you know from where I'm sitting, they're much more in the kind of Ryan Adams kind of school.
one of the things that informs the music I make and the way I go about making it these days is my initial experience of playing music was um, was in leading sing-alongs for my friends. So I learned to play songs that everybody in, in our little circle uh, knew. So starting with Cat and Crows, but you know, I'd, I'd learn a solo silent song that had been on the radio, or I'd learn the first Weezer album and stuff like this. I mean, partly because these are easy songs to play, but also because they're well-written songs that everyone can sing. And my role in the group, was, it wasn't like I was playing shows. It wasn't like shut up in this to me. It was like, I'm going to, I've learned the chords to this so that we can sing it together. And I think that that um, sort of collective spirit is quite a strong strand in, in the music I make now. That was Frank Turner talking about the Counting Crows round here, the song that got him hooked on Sonics. Greg, what's on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we are going to dive deep into the history of one Captain Beefheart, why he matters, why you should pay attention to this guy. You know there's something. The moon was a stone's throw. Greg, we have special thanks to Adam Yaffe and Andrew Gill, who helped with our session with The Regrets. Sound Opinions is produced by Brendan Banizak, Alex Claiborne, and Ayana Contreras. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. Hey, Jim and Greg, Garrett calling from New Haven, Connecticut. Who doesn't like Exile on Main Street, right? It was a great episode, great dissection. And I just wanted to uh, mention one thing people sometimes don't point out about Exile is that's the album where Keith acquired the Telecaster that we associate with him now, the one he calls Macabre. I think the sound of that guitar sets it apart from the albums before it. If you listen to, like, the chunky rhythms on, you know, Can't You Hear Me Knocking. And then you compare it to, like, kind of skinnier rhythm intro to uh, Rock Soft. I think that is really one of the differences between Exile and the albums that came before. You know, I think it's just a little... uh musical element that uh, sets Exile apart. Hi, this is KC from Philadelphia. I just listened to the Rolling Stones' Exile on Main Street album dissection. It was refreshing and awesome to hear you guys take such a deep look at my all-time favorite Stones record. One song I didn't hear highlighted that I do believe deserves a little notoriety is Sweet Virginia. Look at it uh, just for what it is lyrically. It's easy to dismiss it because it's all about drugs and drug references. But I think when you peel back the layers and get between the music, what you hear on your album is the first time the Rolling Stones were singing country music and not doing it tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, they had done a lot of before, especially all of Beggar's Banquet, but it was always sort of with a bit of you know humor to it. And even though this song was not exactly uh, a very serious song, the way Mick is singing these hooks, the way Keith is playing these guitars, it definitely shows that Alan Parsons' influence that you guys were mentioning and shows them that they've finally discovered country music for what it is and can be great music in general. Thank you.
Hello, Jim and Greg. This is Clay in LaGrange, and I'm calling after listening to your Exile on Main Street episode. My story about that is when I was a kid, we had this store called EJ Corvette, which had the best record selection around. And I just remember staring at that Exile on Main Street record, trying to figure out what was going on with it. I was 12 years old at the time, but... Uh, Anyway, my grandmother gave me $10 for my birthday, and the first thing I did was run and buy that record. Well, I've probably listened to that record 10,000 times, and uh, I just remember the first time I put it on, my mom was in the kitchen making supper, and when Rip This Joint came on, she uh, ran into the living room and started doing the jitterbug to my embarrassment. All right, thank you. Bye. Jim and Greg, thanks so much for touching on Exile. It was a uh, game changer for me as a young person. And a short anecdote. Tickets went on sale for Chicago. They stuck us behind the stage in, I don't know, it was probably six or seven rows. Why I'm calling is because not only was it a remarkable concert, but Stevie Wonder uh, and his band was the warm-up group, and we were looking down on a stage that was painted uh, white with a big red dragon kind of carving itself around the stage, and Stevie went on to play, I think, every instrument on the stage. It was such a remarkable evening, and uh, certainly Exile Live was uh, pretty much an epiphany for me. Thanks again for acknowledging the album. It was simply and still is precious. Thanks. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.